Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at edenfoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit theorganicview.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to continue the discussion about the Northern Great Plains study, which we actually talked about on last week's segment. We're going to talk about the patterns that the land-grant colleges, either intentionally or unintentionally, appear to distort the truth. The question is, is this another play courtesy of the corporate spin machine, or is this just how they operate? Let's talk about it. First, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hi, June. We're uh, rapidly slipping into fall here. We had two mornings in the low 40s, and it's overcast and drizzling a little rain right now. So fall's on the way. So are you preparing your bees for the winter at this point? This is about the time of the year when beekeepers need to stop thinking about uh, summer honey production and start thinking about putting away the winter stores. So we're looking to the winter now. Most beekeepers are in the midst of the harvest all across the country. Thanks, Tom. Today's topic concerns the research conducted by land-grant colleges. There appears to be a repeated pattern of behavior that has been talked about consistently over the last couple of weeks by several of the beekeeping communities. Since we've had so many emails and so many concerns about what exactly is going on, I think it's something that deserves a little bit more of a discussion. Tom, can you share with our listeners some of the studies that have been overwhelmingly conclusive as far as the impact of neonicotinoids on bees and why this particular one differs? We've had uh, three that come to mind that are fairly recent. Two of those are from the U.K., and one from the United States. One of those from the UK showed that 97% of the neonicotinoids that bees are contaminated with come not from the target crop, which over there would be primarily uh, canola, but rather from wildflowers. Now, the only way that they can get to wildflowers is either through drift, physical drift, or migration with windblown soil and or groundwater. The second is one that comes out of the UK, 18 years of data that show 
the connection between the use of neonicotinoids and the decline of the bee populations over there that have which have been dramatic. Uh, the third comes from South Dakota, and that was done by uh, Christina Mogren and Jonathan Lundgren, where they planted buffer strips around organic agriculture and around chemical farming, and originally had intended to use the buffer strips, the pollinator buffer strips around the organic farms as their control, but what they found was that everything was contaminated. Those are some of the three most recent, but we've had literally hundreds of studies that have shown the direct connection between the neonicotinoids and the loss of pollinators and other insect communities. There's no question in the scientific community if scientists look at these questions honestly as to the connection between the neonicotinoids and the environmental damages. That's why some of the studies that we're seeing coming out of the land-grant colleges are particularly concerning because they seem to either intentionally or unintentionally be playing into the hands of the corporate propagandists by showing, through poor science, I believe, that there is little or no connection between the neonicotinoids and the bee losses. You have to question their motives. Agreed. But the bottom line is is that this is what we have in America. Once again, it begs the question, why is America lagging when it comes to supporting the bees and protecting them instead of what appears to be protecting industry? That seems to be the consistent feedback I don't know how else you would call it. That, that seems to be the consistent feedback that we hear from people overseas, whether it's in Europe, Australia, what have you. What is going on in America? Well, the corporations are well in control of the message. In the Washington State study, I think, is a prime example of that. They purported to show a low level of neonicotinoids in the colonies that they were sampling, but it appears that they underrepresented the colonies that would have been exposed to the neonicotinoids in agricultural areas where corn and or apples, fruit crops, were grown. So they skewed the results in that regard with a sampling error. Whether they did that intentionally or unintentionally, the end result was the same in that they had results which were probably not valid. One of the ways that they play with these uh, studies is by setting the level of detection for these products. And the levels of detection for the neonicotinoids that they were supposed to be looking for were quite high. And the very fundamental premise they make is that these low levels of neonicotinoids are irrelevant to the health of the bees. They found metacloprid, for example, at 3.9 parts per billion. What the science has shown us is that the only safe dose of the neonicotinoids is no safe dose because the effect on the synapses is cumulative and irreversible. Uh, a level of neonicotinoids at 3.9 parts per billion is more than adequate 
to lead to the death of a colony. And what we've seen shortly after the publication of this result, these results, is a news story which reemphasizes what they proclaim to have found, that the neonicotinoids have little relation to the loss of the bees. This is simply bad science. It's, it's, they're either incompetent or they're corrupt or some combination of the two. And I hate to say that because these are well-intentioned people, I think, but they're, they're in the land-grant system, which has been heavily influenced by corporate money, and they're sucking up to the people that are feeding them. Can you just share with our listeners the small analysis that you came up with several years ago, actually, in regards to a teaspoon of, I think it was clothianidin, in an Olympic-sized swimming pool? What exactly would that do? Well, that was Graham White's statistic, and as I recall, it was something like a part per billion would be a teaspoon of the product in an Olympic swimming pool. We're talking about very, very small amounts, but it doesn't take much. As I said, the only safe dose of these neonicotinoids appears to be no dose at all because the cumulative effect is the same if you just add the element of time. And I've used the example of cigarettes. One cigarette didn't kill people, but one after another over time certainly did. And we're seeing the same thing with the neonicotinoids. They can be exposed, the bees can be exposed at very, very small amounts, and the end result is the death of the colony, the disruption and the death of the colony. Now, these land-grant college scientists who choose to ignore that are simply inadequate scientists. I'm sorry. Actually, you came out with an analysis regarding DDT, a comparison between neonicotinoids and DDT. That's what I was thinking of. Can, oh, you, can you share with our listeners what exactly that analysis it's, was? It, it's incredible. And when I first began to see this, I ran the calculations many times because I thought I had a decimal place in the wrong place or something. DDT in its year of highest usage was... 80 million pounds, that was 1959. We've been told most recently that the use of neonicotinoids, the annual use of neonicotinoids is 3.5 million pounds, I believe is the figure. But what they don't tell you is that we're using a, a measurement that's completely inappropriate. You can't measure these things in pounds, and this is a good example. The neonicotinoids are five to 10,000 times more toxic than DDT to the lower level life forms, which means that that three and a half million pounds represents about 17 billion pounds of DDT, the toxic equivalent of about 17 billion pounds. But if that isn't bad enough, the EPA, in its wisdom, has chosen in the face of a dramatic environmental poisoning to exclude 90% of the neonicotinoid usage from regulation or oversight by exempting it under what's called the uh, treated articles exemption. 
90% of the neonicotinoids are used as seed treatments. The EPA has used this loophole to exclude that 90% from any kind of regulation and has declared that that seed treatment is not a pesticide use. So if you add in that 90%, we're seeing the toxic equivalent of four to 600 billion pounds of DDT every year with products that have half-lives of years. They accumulate with successive uses and the poisoning of the environment has been massive. Tom, some of the feedback that we've been receiving concerns the people who appear to be apologists for industry. These are people that are claiming that there is no neonicotinoid impact on their operations, and they see no evidence of anything to do with the use of neonicotinoids. So the concern is, is this a diversion? Is this a tactic used by industry to give the illusion that everything's fine? And if so, what is the benefit? Well, of course, they want they want uh, spokesmen, preferably from the beekeeping community, who support their position that the neonicotinoids are not the problem. I know a, a beekeeper who for many years was a leading beekeeper in this part of the country who I heard myself state unequivocally that he believed that the neonicotinoids were the, one of the best things that had ever happened to beekeeping. I don't know how to explain that. I just don't know how someone could see the evidence and come to that kind of a conclusion. It's just beyond me. But the industry looks for people like that who will parrot their position, and unfortunately we have more than a few in the beekeeping world. The reality is, though, that we're seeing terrible losses from these chemicals, the neonicotinoids and others, and it's got to change. I guess the big the question how can a beekeeper see neonicotinoids as something positive as far as a beekeeping operation? By design, they are they were created to bring about death to insects. Well, in many cases, the uh, the effects of the neonicotinoids are less obvious, more subtle than some of the older chemicals. And I've been around long enough that I've gone through several epochs of of chemistry. In the old days, the real damaging uh, effects of the pesticides came from aerial applications. And for the hottest of the pesticides, within 24 hours, we were seeing dead bees piling up in front of the hives in blankets an inch or two deep. Hundreds, thousands of fielders killed. It was very dramatic and very obvious. Well, the effect of the neonicotinoids is not always that clear. In fact, most of the time it is more subtle. Although they can kill colonies outright, and that frequently happens during the corn planting season in the spring when there's a lot of fugitive dust. Typically, though, the effects are much more subtle than that, and they accumulate over time, and you may have a colony that dies this year that 
was first exposed two years ago, and the effects of the neonicotinoids have been accumulating over time until finally that colony succumbs. It's not as clear and it's not as dramatic. And the fellow that I heard say that neonicotinoids are the best thing that ever happened to beekeeping makes that claim based on the fact that he hasn't seen piles of dead bees in front of his colony. And he's not perceptive enough to understand that there are many ways to get to that death of a colony. Well, when you have commercial migratory beekeepers like Jeff Anderson traveling around the country, especially with uh, folks like Steve Ellis, Dave Hackenberg, Jim Doan, to name a few, that are talking about what's going on with their operations. And these are folks who have been in the beekeeping business for multi-generations. This is something that their families have been doing for several years, for many years. It's also, not only is it an economic part of the lives of these families, but it's a part of their actual being. We are beekeepers. This is what we are. This is what we do. But I'll use the example of a beekeeper recently, a leading commercial beekeeper, 20,000 colonies of bees, sold out. He he told a friend, this was related to me secondhand, but I think it's probably pretty accurate. I know both of them. And uh, he told his friend, he said, If I ever talk about going back into beekeeping, just shoot me. He's free of it and happy to be so, and that's unfortunate because it's a beautiful craft. It's a beautiful profession. It's essential to the welfare of agriculture and in the environment, and we are killing these people. We are killing these operations, and we are killing their livestock, and it doesn't need to be this way. Well, Tom, if you think about it, to a certain degree, it's like everything else in agriculture. The small family farmer doesn't really exist across the board anymore. Now you have the big factory farms, and look at how that's working out. You have so many people speaking out about it for a multitude of reasons, not to mention the fact that it is a cruel and inhumane way for these animals to exist. But with everything in agriculture It's a shame, but we're really seeing the very end of an industry that was once a core part of agriculture. Yes. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. Once again, to be continued. It's very discouraging what we're up against, June, and we talk about it every week, and maybe some of the listeners are getting tired of hearing me speak out against it, but uh, this has got to change. This is a huge environmental disaster that we're experiencing. The bees are the warning. We need to begin to pay attention and we need to begin to make some changes to a regulatory system that has failed us dramatically. Well, Tom, obviously what you're saying must be making a huge impact on somebody because the servers for the entire month of August were under consistent attack the, the OrganicView.com was consistently shut down due to all these attacks, and you know we're finally back up. For the, for the listeners and for myself, June, you might explain a little bit about just how that attack works. How do you get shut down? Well, basically, somebody that doesn't like what we're doing, they hire people to attack the servers. Tom, this is something that is not new. 
we've been experiencing this over the years. It's just that the past month, the month of August, the site was the organicview.com was consistently shut down due to the number of attacks on the server. And you're not talking about somebody who's you know doing some Mickey Mouse stuff. You're talking about major attacks from brute force attacks to more advanced attacks on the servers, basically forcing the website to shut down. And we've done our best to bring it back online, but at the end of the day, obviously if you weren't saying something and I weren't saying something that posed a threat, we wouldn't be sustaining this. This is not something that happens to any random site. But since we've been on air this has been going on for quite some time. It's just that this is they've really stepped up their efforts. And does it matter because we're still standing and we're going to still keep on going. So once again, Tom, thank you for all of your knowledge, your help, your support, for all your efforts to keep fighting the good fight. That's all we can do. Well, I think we all have a responsibility, too. This is a major environmental disaster. And I want to thank you and the Organic View and and the listeners who tune in every week and apparently are paying attention because the uh, the public interest has increased dramatically. And it's the public pressure that's going to bring change if there's going to be any. Well, I think the more industry tries to distort the truth, the more people are interested in finding out exactly what is the truth. And once again, there's so many scientific studies that have been peer-reviewed and published that are easily available that people can read and analyze and make their own conclusions for themselves. All we're trying to do is put information out there for discussion. Folks, if you own a beekeeping operation and are seeing the impact of neonicotinoids, Please contact us. We'd really like to hear from you. You could reach us at questions at theorganicview.com. See you next week. We'll be here.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.